Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome to the podcast. I am so glad you are here. And I have to tell you <laughs> that I am also so glad that the first time I tried to record this episode, my mic wasn't working correctly, or the correct mic wasn't working, I should say. Uh, and at first, I was very very bummed out by that because I talked for about 18 minutes before I realized my error. Uh, and that threw off my whole schedule. Isn't that funny how 18 minutes can just like throw off your whole schedule? I'm being dramatic, but I'm actually stoked right now because thanks to pushing back the and, and re-recording later, I have even more delightful, delectable, delicious, and important information regarding self-image and personal style. This episode got two times better, I kid you not, um, because I waited. And I'll get into why in a second, um, but man, it was already good, and now it's better. <laughs> toot toot, that's me tooting my own horn. Uh, anyways, here we go. Last month, in Money March, we talked about the bank and what's in it. Now we're talking about the body and what is on it. Yes, I love this. <laughs> A few weeks ago, in episode 119, I gave my definition of self-image and personal style, and I talked about how what you wear and surround yourself with really does affect your behavior out there in the world. And uh, today, we're going to talk about how to decide on and use your personal style to introduce your values and your taste and build consistency and trust, which, let's be really real, that is what our field is all about. Values, taste, consistency, trust, style. So, this is important, and it is also very much fun for me to talk about again. <laughs> I am so excited. I am ready to dig in. But first, let's do some wins. Today, I am celebrating a win for the entire dance community. And this win will also serve as a crash course in grassroots organization. So buckle up. Dancers Alliance... If you haven't heard of it already, if you if you are not intimately aware of what it is, is a non-union organization that seeks to be the unified voice of the national dance community. If you are listening and you are a dancer in the nation, that means you. Um, they advocate for fair wages and working conditions for non-union workers. So this is all of the stuff outside of SAG-AFTRA or SDC. Um, I used to be a Dancers Alliance chair. I think that was my title. It's been it's been many many years, uh, but I can tell you firsthand, DA is truly made up 
of dancers, like working dancers, and it's created for dancers. It's made by dancers, for dancers, and that is such a special thing. Um, if I were to reframe what is Dancers Alliance or how it is most often used, I might tell you that the Dancers Alliance website, which for the record was paid for by a dancer, <laughs> is where producers and dancers alike go to find industry standard rates and working conditions for non-union work. It's all there. All the information is there. Now today, for me, but two weeks ago for you, because I'm pre-recording this episode, um, DA relaunched their website. Brand new website. And also they announced new and very increased rates. A hefty rate increase because it has been a hefty amount of time since that happened. DA rates have not gone up since before 2010. So, yep, that's substantial. Now, it's been years since I was an active chair of DA. My attention has, has been rather focused on helping the choreography community create a guild for ourselves, which honestly is my win every single week. And I know I haven't talked about it much, um, the Choreographers Guild on the pod, but it's coming. I want to I make it big, grand, beautiful, bow-on-top bundle of an episode for you. Anyways, it's coming. Anyways, I'm celebrating the relaunch of DA. It, although I do work more as a choreographer lately, I was a non-union dancer once. <laughs> and I work with, I coach, and I love so many non-union dancers that are moving into and up the professional ladder. So resources like DA and the people that support them are essential to our community, our entire ecosystem. And when we stick together, when we stand together and move together, we all come up together. A note for all the dancers out there, DA is not made up of a paid staff. I mentioned it's made up of working dancers. There are no enforcing officers who will arrest you or otherwise punish you or productions for going below DA standards. DA rates and working conditions are only exclusively upheld by the dance community. We are all responsible. We are all in this together, which is great. Because when we're all in this together, don't make me sing it. <laughs> we rise together. I am so thrilled to see the dance community rising, and I look forward to seeing more solidarity between dancers and choreographers in the future. This is the stuff dreams are made of. I'm so stoked about it. So, please check out dancersalliance.org and choreographersguild.org to be introduced to some of our community's most important efforts. I will leave it right there. Whoa, holy win. Now you go. <laughs> What's going well in your world? What's going well in your community? Fabulous. Keep winning. I'm proud of you. So, 
<laughs> Self-image, personal style. If you haven't listened to episode 119, 100%, be sure to do that. Um, your values, your taste communicated to the world non-verbally, that's what we're talking about. Definitely go listen, but I'll try to catch you up right here and right now if you missed that one. To me, self-image. It's not what you look like. It's not the way people see you. It's how you see yourself, how you think of yourself. Your self-image is what you think about you, your body, and the rest of you. Call it spirit, soul, essence, what have you. That is self-image. It's what you think of you. Your personal style, on the other hand, is certainly more than simply what you wear. I have come to explain personal style as being three things. Mindset, as in your way of thinking. Fashion, as in what you wear and your surroundings and what you keep around you in general, your belongings, your car, your home, you get it. Um, and sometimes that extends into your words, your actions, how you move through space, how you treat people. And that does kind of sound like personal style is everything. If it's what you wear and what you say and how you say it and what you drive and where you live, whoa. <laughs> that thinking, thinking that it, personal style is everything might be kind of overwhelming. So that's why I like to narrow it down. Three things. It's my mindset. It's my fashion. It's my surroundings. Now that I've nailed that down, I want to tell you about a few things I consider to be the anti-style or uh, the war on personal style. There are five of them. I call them the foul five. These are five ideas or things that can rob you of your personal style and your freedom within it. Ironically, the first of the five is the fashion industry itself. The fashion industry that perpetuates this idea that beauty, luxury, happiness all come when you are paper thin and have no pores or blemishes and have lots and lots of money. <laughs> and that is a lie. Do not listen to it. There's a lot of, a lot of damage done um, from thinking that those feelings, especially happiness, come only when you're draped in jewels and furs and designer garb. It's just, it's simply not true. Number two, the thought that, quote, I don't have enough time, or a, a sister of that thought, I don't want to spend time deciding what I wear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, that might actually be true. You very well may not have time to go shopping for every season or every audition. But if you have time to put on sweatpants and a t-shirt, you definitely have time to put on a dress or a jumper or a fabulous hat. I'm wearing a fabulous hat right now. Let's, let's jump now from my fabulous hat to Steve Jobs. He's probably the most famous example of not spending time deciding what you want to wear. You can go here and learn more about that, watch the documentaries, read the articles, whatever. But ultimately, decision-making power is apparently somewhat limited throughout the day. 
and that guy has a lot of decisions to make. He didn't want to waste valuable decision power on what shirt to wear, so he just always wore the same one. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I'm assuming his closet was stacked with long-sleeve, black, mock turtlenecks, and jeans. That's it. Every single day. And that might be an option for you. You could just choose a uniform. All I'm saying is you can save time by deciding in advance what you want to wear. You can save time by only buying or keeping things that you love. And furthermore, if you have time to brush your teeth, then you have time to think about what you'll do today, which means you have time to think about how you want to feel and look while doing it. You do have time. I'm going to circle back to this later because I have, a, have an idea. <laughs> Number three, the, the, the third of the foul five things that could rob you of your personal style is also a thought. This thought, I don't have money. I don't have the money to have exquisite personal style. My friends, there are so many ways to look great and not spend boatloads of money. You can even look great and spend no money. And I cannot wait to tell you this story. The bestie, Megan Lawson, hey Meg, hi, uh, just told me about a clothing experience that she had recently, a party, a clothes swap party that was this well-oiled machine of an event where a small group of people got together and brought all of the items they were ready to part with. And uh, there was like an, an MC, a session leader that would hold up the garment. They would state the brand, the size and the material. And then it got passed around very quickly. We all know how important it is to feel the thing. And then a show of hands went up. Uh, who was interested in keeping the garment. If no one raised their hand, the garment goes to the donate pile. If one person raises their hand, work, they get the garment. If more than one person raises their hand, dance battle to the death. JK, JK. Civilized battle of the wits, like in Princess Bride. JK, JK. Um, they would draw a card, random deck of cards in the middle of the floor, area, room, table, what have you, Whoever draws the highest card gets to keep the item. It's genius. Anyways, organizing a clothes swap is just one of the great ways to acquire cool stuff for free, for no money. Plus, it just sounds like a, a great party. I'm totally into it. Planning one currently. Stay tuned. Um, you know, the other thing actually I really love about that is that if you if you go the clothes swap route uh, with you know, socially with people that you know, then if later you decide, dang, I shouldn't have gotten rid of that. That would be perfect to wear for this or whatever. You can maybe just call up your friend and ask if you could borrow it back for this one-time use. I think that really relieves the pressure of like the forever donation. Anyways, that reminds me, straight up ask people if you can borrow stuff. Way better than shopping. It costs nothing, and you get the benefit of that handoff hang. Shout out Jillian Myers for letting me borrow your rooster blouse. Or was it a cockatoo? I think it's a, it might be a cockatoo that's on that blouse. I'll take a photo. Then, of course, there are the low-cost options like thrift stores or secondhand stores. Um, I don't know. 
eBay. I'm not much of a big eBay shopper, but there's oh, did rent the uh, did rent the runway stop? There's even like, you know, runway fashion big name brand stuff that you can just have for a short time versus own it forever. Anyways, uh, I, I wanted to tell you a very quick story. One of my favorite years of saving and of shopping and of sashaying around the world looking fabulous was the year that I vowed to purchase no factory new clothing. Thrift, surplus, vintage, borrowed only, except for underwear and socks. Those I did purchase new. That's just, you know, on a, you know, kind of hygienic principle thing. Anyways, I spent less than $800 on clothes that entire year. Some of those items were my favorite forever things. I'll have them forever. They're one of a kind. They're incredible. Um, and some of some of those favorite things probably cost less than like a meal at Chipotle. So I'm super into it. You can have exquisite style. You can find and own things that you love without spending a lot of money. All right. Number four. This is also a thought, but I hear it a lot. I don't have a style or I don't have good taste. Listen, my friend. <laughs> I don't believe in good taste or bad taste. I believe in many tastes. For example, the fashions of a farmer, say in Wisconsin, are functional. And to me, that is fierce. I love that. And you know what? I bet that if I walked around the Iowa State Fair, I would probably have questions. But I would probably also see a whole lot of humans who like certain things and dislike certain things. And that is taste. <laughs> if you know what you like and you know what you don't like, you have taste. And that's good enough for me. If you don't know what you like and you don't know what you don't like, go visit Wisconsin or the Iowa State Fair. <laughs> JK, no offense. Uh, no offense to Wisconsin or Iowa. Actually, here we go. If you don't know what you like and you don't know what you don't like, please go purchase and read Cintra Wilson's book called Fear and Clothing, Unbuckling American Style. I'm just going to say that again because it's such a great title. Fear and Clothing, Unbuckling American Style. We'll be linking to it in the show notes. Um, Sintra is a former New York Times fashion critic, and in this book, she takes the reader all across America, and listen, <laughs> I was culturally and fashionally, can we call it, can we make that word up? Fashionally, not a word, sticking to it. I was totally awakened by this book. Please, please check it out. Um, I think you will have a greater sense of American taste and style, as well as your own. Um, so give that a shot. Okay, number five, the last one, the last thought or thing that can rob you of your personal style is not even a thought or a thing. I'm just going to call it a movement. It's this, this movement, this idea that became popularized by some book or some blog or some thing. This idea that every item in your closet or home should bring you joy. Ugh, I'm sorry. I don't subscribe. I don't subscribe to it for a few reasons. Number one, items do not make you happy or sad. Number two, 
Style is not about happiness. It is about expression. Expression of you. You, the multidimensional human. You, the sometimes happy, sometimes fierce, sometimes rebellious, sometimes wholesome, sometimes mysterious, sometimes fill-in-the-blank whatever human being. Your style is not how you find happiness. It's how you introduce and reintroduce and keep reintroducing your ever-evolving taste and values to the world without saying a word. Okay, so how do you actually do that? (laughs) In episode 119, I shared some of my golden guiding style principles, um, to which I have an amendment, by the way. So I will blaze through those again really quickly right now. We just talked about the foul five, the five things that get in the way of your personal style. For example, the uh, I'll list them again quickly. The fashion industry, thinking that you don't have time or don't want to spend time, thinking that you don't have money or don't want to spend money, thinking that you don't have good taste or any taste at all, and then finally, thinking that everything in your home or on your body should bring you joy. Okay, now we're here. My abbreviated guiding principles in terms of fashion. Number one, review the things that you have, modify what you really, really like, but don't quite love yet, so that you love it. I'm a big fan of alterations. Huge. That brings me to number two, straight up, buy things that fit. Commit to not contorting your body in fitting room mirrors. Stand neutral. If it fits, do it. If it doesn't, don't do it. Number three, buy things that you love. In other words, things that make you feel a certain way. And by the way, that way might not be happy. It might be sultry. It might be dangerous. Buy things that you love. Number four, collect the pieces that feature your favorite parts of you. For example, your wrists, your collarbones, your knee pits. I don't know. Knee pits is what I call them, the back of your knee. Number five, Stop compulsively spending. Decide what you need and what you want and decide what you're prepared to pay for it ahead of time. Anything outside of that plan, you can sleep on and revisit the next day. If you're still thinking about it the next day, put it on the plan for the next day and go for it. Number six, be patient. Keep a watchful eye on the fashion world around you. You don't have to have it now. I swear, it probably took me 14 years to find my favorite pair of over-the-knee boots, and I'm obsessed. Number seven, refuse to be overwhelmed by this. It doesn't have to happen all at once. It doesn't have to be hard. It can be fun. You can have a clothes swap party. And lastly, this is the one I forgot. When you find the thing that you love, and it is a reasonable amount of money, and it fits you and you see your best self wearing it or them all the time, get multiples. My husband has more than 15 pairs of the same boots. I will be sharing a photo of this. Um, These are his life boots. They're the only boots that he ever wants to wear, so he has many of them because he wears them out. I have three pairs of the same Lululemon trouser Forest green, olive drab, and black. I wear all three of them equally. I love them. They will last forever. They probably won't last forever, actually, the way I wear them. I should look into seeing if they still make those. I digress. Those are my 
guiding style principles. Check out episode 119 for a deeper dive on those. But today, I want to share a different technique, a different guide rule for both shedding the old and shopping for new items of expression. Yes, yes, you can always make a vision board or spend four hours on the internet looking at your favorite looks from style icons, but I promise this really simple rule is way more effective and you will probably feel way better about yourself and your bank account when you practice this one. I call it the two out of three rule, and it's as useful in deciding what you will buy as it is in deciding what you will release or let go or donate or what have you. Here is how it works. Uh, while I'm talking right now, probably start looking for a pen, pencil, something to write with, or start exercising your very short-term memory, because I am about to spout off a whole bunch of adjectives. Yep, words, or in some cases, pairings of words, and you are listening for the three that best describe you. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list, so if you don't hear three words that describe you, uh, feel free to hit the Google and see what you can see there. Um, if you still don't find any words that describe you flat out, then choose the ones that describe how you like to feel. Are you ready? Set. Here we go. The first pairing, natural slash relaxed, or classic slash timeless, artistic slash creative, dramatic slash edgy, romantic, feminine, masculine, androgynous, Alluring slash sexy. Modern slash minimal. Playful. Radiant. Polished slash professional. Rough. Rustic. Unique. Eclectic. Bold slash loud. Movable as in airy. Or movable as in athletic. Functional slash tactical. As in built for utility. Special pockets for special features, special loops and hooks and zippers and stuff. I love functional. Okay, those are the adjectives. Here's the hard part. Choose only three. Okay, there's actually no punishment if you choose four or five, but then it's not the two out of three rule. It would be the three out of four rule or the four out of five rule, whatever. That gets messy. Um, so just choose three. And then you might want to listen back to all the things I just said again. But after you've done that, after you've decided on your three things... If the garment slash accessory slash item in question does not satisfy two out of the three, at least, you don't buy it, you don't keep it, you don't wear it, you don't use it, leave it, 
or donate it to someone whose who's two out of three it does fit. <laughs> this really makes tough decisions so much easier. Decide on your three and then two out of three. Oh, and if you're looking for something, uh, something, something to wear or have for a very special big event, it better be all three. Just saying. Also, if this is feeling vaguely familiar to you, if you're a, a, a diehard listener of the pod, I use a similar rule when I'm deciding what to share on Instagram. And I did an episode on that way, way back in the beginning, episode 10. It's called Your Social Media Storefront. And in that episode, I talked about thinking of my favorite places to shop and thinking of my, my social media as being kind of a brick and mortar place to shop. So I asked myself, you know, what are the three qualities of the places I like to go? And maybe those three things can represent me and where people come to get me. Those three qualities were bright, colorful, slash eclectic, and full quality. Like quality goods, none of that fast fashion stuff. So before I post, I ask myself, is this bright, both visually and intellectually? Is it intelligent? Number two, is it colorful? Does it represent a piece of my colorful self, my eclectic life? And lastly, is it quality? Is it of a standard that makes me proud? If it isn't two out of those three things, you better believe it. I leave it in the drafts or just don't even think it just doesn't happen. doesn't cross that uh, <laughs> the social media force field. It just is not released into the world. Um, that's my two out of three rule. Very useful and very transferable, by the way, for different uses as well. Very democratic. Okay. Now I want to circle back to what I said about not having time or not wanting to spend time picking out what to wear. This right now, by the way, is one of the ways this podcast got better thanks to waiting to re-record it after having a great call with my friend Alyssa Dinka. Here is what I'm thinking, people. I think that most of us organize our apparel, whether they be in closets or dressers. Um, I think we we organize them by type. Tank tops over here, shorts over here, jeans go like that all together, um, you know, long shirts, dresses, whatever. And I'm just thinking, like, what if instead of organizing by garment type, we organized by feeling? Not texture, but emotion. Like, what if every day, while you were brushing your teeth or having your coffee or whatever it is that you're doing while you're thinking about what you have to do that day, what if in that moment you also thought about how you wanted to feel while doing those tasks? For example, I'm going on a date later. I want to feel romantic. Or I have four Zoom calls, so I want to feel comfortable, especially in the pants department. Um, oh, or I have to type a lot today, so I want to feel focused and I don't want to wear any clicky snaps near my wrist. Um, or I have an audition today. I want to feel capable and confident. I have to choreograph today. I want to feel really creative, uninhibited, free. Um, or maybe I'm a part of a skeleton crew workshop today. I want to feel work 
ready, like roll up the sleeves and get dirty kind of feeling. Um, like what if we really considered the emotional, the feeling, you know, for whatever the task it was that we had to do that day right before we went to our closet to pick out the thing. And then instead of going to like the pants, then the shirts, then the, I'm making my closet sound very big. It's not that big, but it does seem like when I, when I take a look at all of the options in front of me, they're all mixed together. All of those different feelings I organize by like, you know, tank tops here, then t-shirts, then long sleeve shirts, then sweaters, then jackets. And like, it just kind of escalates in style. I'm going to share some photos. I really, I think I'm going to make a change. I think I am going to organize my closet according to emotions. Now, I haven't tested this theory yet. It is possible that it could save some time. I know how I want to feel. I go directly to that type of feeling of clothing and grab literally anything. It's really as possible that this is a terrible idea. At very least, it's not going to look good. It's going to look crazy. That's why I'm going to test it because it might not be worth it. Um, I promise I will post before and after photos, but I just had to say that. I really think there there might be a revolution or at least a revelation here. Um, okay. Now, we have talked about my definitions of self-image and personal style We've recapped my guiding style principles. We've talked about the foul five, the things that can keep you from fully embodying and embracing and telegraphing and being loud with your personal style. Um, and I've told you about my ridiculous proposal to redesign closets all over the world. And now I want to do a short Q&A, specifically for dancers in the entertainment industry uh, I feel like I can A these cues after my 15 years of auditioning and more than that of being obsessed with clothing. I really do. I feel like, and my husband has co-signed on this, my clothes are like my tools, the way that he sees his tools, like his lathe, his printers, his, you know, uh, microscopes, his instruments are sort of the way that I view my clothing. They're how I get things done. They're how I affect my work. They're how I, I'm a visual artist and um, <laughs> clothing are a big part of the visual sphere. I'm running out of words, you guys, so I'm going to keep going with this. Okay. I get this question a lot in different types of forms. Is it good to be a blank slate or should I have a specific style? Hmm. Let's see. Is it good to be a blank slate? Yes. Or should I have a specific style? Also, yes. <laughs> if you are a dancer working in the commercial industry, you will get castings asking for 100 different things. And in that... It's important to both have a signature style and be sort of a blank canvas that people might be able to project different castings onto. I'll give a couple of my favorite examples. Young mom, edgy punk rocker, edgy young mom, quirky young mom, hipster, and you better believe it, hipster young mom. <laughs> Am I giving away my age? I think... 
I have. I have also recently gotten casting breakdowns for creative business owner, frustrated coffee shop patron, and my favorite, model type. Yep, that's real. <laughs> so when it comes to either being a blank slate or being very specific and standing out, both are useful. This is definitely a both and scenario, especially if we're talking about castings or auditions. Um, it is possible to wear khakis and a basic red shirt for your target employee audition and still be the girl with the cherry earrings. Or you could wear your basic button-down shirt and a blazer and be the person with the yellow socks. Like, you can do both. I strongly recommend owning items that are striking and that help you stand out, things that are memorable, in addition to the following basics. And when I say basic, I don't mean you look basic. I mean, you look great, but they are basic, kind of neutral items. I made a list for you. Here we go. Jeans. Yes, you should own a pair of jeans that you look amazing in and that you can dance in. That's the catch. Also, khakis. Hate to break it to you, but I was able to find a pair as I was shopping for a tourist look. I found a pair of khakis that I low-key love, and I wear them all the time now. Um, shirts, just standard t-shirts in colors that look great on you and that don't have logos or busy print. I'll tell you what, after my fourth casting for a Best Buy employee, I went ahead and bought myself a blue polo shirt that doubles pretty well for any sales associate role. So you should probably have a polo shirt. Um, a bathing suit. Yep, that came up recently. Uh, a summer dress or Hawaiian shirt, something that looks vacation-y. Uh, a professional business look, button-down shirt, blazer, a suit jacket, slacks, and oh yes, you will need a quote, hip look. And I have exactly one of those. It's a bucket hat, a sweatsuit, Nike socks, and Nike sneakers. The hippest. <laughs> oh, super pro tip. If you are like me, and in that age bracket where you are auditioning for young mom and dad or husband wife, go ahead and get yourself a costume wedding ring. Unless you are actually married and you have your own ring, get a costume wedding ring because listen to this, y'all. Something in the consumer mindset believes that married people are trustworthy. We want to buy stuff from people or we want to take recommendations on products from people who are trustworthy. Go watch eight commercials right now, and I almost guarantee, almost, I'm not that confident. I am confident that like six out of eight, certainly six out of ten, the um, principal figures in those commercials will have visible wedding rings or spouses. I'm just saying. It's a thing. If you're like above and beyond, like I am, uh, go get yourself a costume wedding ring. There you have it. Okay. For all of those basics I just mentioned, the ring, the khakis, the shirts, the bathing suit, summer dress, business look, all the things, you can still apply that two out of three rule to all of the above. You can still have your values and those things. 
the standout part, the get specific, have a personal style part, that comes in the details. The accessories, the makeup, the hair, the nails, the tattoos, the jewelry, the way you talk, the way you move your face, um, like your emotionality. Just like Sean Evaristo mentioned in last week's episode, which is also a must listen. So good. Emotionality and vulnerability are his superpower. And nuance and detail, those are like his cape, his Superman cape. They are so important. Do not overlook the nuanced details. Um, okay, one more question in the Q&A section. For the jobs that aren't looking for specific roles and for the ones that ask you to show your own personal style, yeah, how do I do that? <laughs> how do I know what to wear when it asks for my own style? Okay, so technically you could go to your closet and just grab anything and that would be your style, right? But it is a plain and simple fact that your favorite look might not be the best look on camera. So if you're a person who wants to be submitting and booking work from self-tapes, set aside an hour or two, some time and some space to do a screen test of the looks that you love. It sounds so obvious, but not many people actually do this. Most of us wait to receive the casting and then go barreling through the closet, stressed, trying to compile a look that is uniquely us or our own. I'm using air quotes. Um, and it's just so funny because everything in our closet is our own, but not everything looks great on camera. Example, I have a favorite jumper. It's from Big Bud Press. You know the one. You've seen it all over Instagram, TikTok. It's this colorful one-piece jumpsuit. I love the fit. I have it in three colors because if I love it, I buy it in three colors. Um, anyways, I wore the white one for a self-tape where I was auditioning for the role of house painter. White jumpsuit, house painter. I thought I had nailed it. Till I saw this playback, y'all. Oof. Oof. I looked like a jet puff marshmallow. A shapeless white bag of bones with hair on top and actually it somehow made my skin look orange like I am a fair person I looked like an Oompa Loompa not the look and I didn't have time to reshoot it wearing something else whoa not my strongest moment um so I truly maintain it is better to look great than to look the part give yourself a day test some looks and while you're doing this, by the way, be kind. Um, seeing your body and your favorite outfits on camera uh, might be a little uncomfortable for you, maybe? Question mark. It certainly was for me in this audition moment. Um, what, what we do when we self-tape, when we submit, when we audition is a little bit inhumane. It is a lot a bit superficial. So as you are looking at the surface, also dig in. Love on yourself a little bit. Remind yourself that this is a part of your job. It is not who you are. Um, yeah, that's that's my thought on that. How do you decide what to wear? Test it all out on camera and be kind to yourself in the process. All right, my friends. Whew. I, it seems like I could go forever on this subject, uh, but I'll close out by saying this. For us creative types, 
both on camera and behind, actually. Wardrobe items and accessories, your hair, your makeup, all the extra doodads, they're literally a write-off. It is an investment. It is important that we communicate our tastes and our values to the world. So let's make deliberate investments here. Choosing to love on your body and choosing to invest in your personal style are power moves. So let's go. I am so stoked to reorganize my closet according to emotions instead of according to size of items. I can't wait to tell you how that goes. I am 100% going to be having a clothing swap in the next couple months. I'm going to take advantage of this spring cleaning moment and I'm going to do it. So stay tuned for details on that. Stay tuned for before and after photos of my closet and how that actually turns out. And also, be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Of course, keep it funky. And two out of three. Two out of three. Don't forget. I'll talk to you soon. Bye now. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Bree Reitz. And a big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. And also a massive thanks to you, the mover, who is no stranger to taking action. I will not stand in the way of you taking action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I cannot keep you from visiting thedanawilson.com to join our mailing list. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. And of course, if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community, I will 100% not stop you. Visit thedanawilson.com to become a member and get a peek at everything else I do that is not a weekly podcast. Keep it funky, everyone.